Father, we thank you that worthy is your name. Worthy is the name of Jesus. That name that you've given us. That battle axe that you've given us. The name which we herald. The name which has been bequeathed to us. The name which we call upon. Our defense is that name. The name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word. We thank you that your word is truth. The entrance of your word brings light. And Father, we thank you that we prepare our hearts to receive from you. Everything you have for us this morning, Father, we open up our hearts that we may receive from you. Speak to us, Father. Bring correction in the areas where we need correction. Give us wisdom where we need wisdom. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Father, heal us where we need healing. And therefore, Father, we thank you that this word will go forth. We thank you, Father, that these, your anointed people, have that anointing of understanding and courage to hear and to do your word. And this morning, Father, we choose wisdom. For wisdom is the principal thing. And in all of our choosing and getting, we also get understanding. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. You may have your seats. And as we have your seats, we'd like to thank Frank and the band. Sometimes I'm, I'm watching Wesula. And Wesula is just smiling while he's playing the drums. When he's gazing in another world altogether. <laughs> but uh, it's just a blessing to have these guys. So it's an honor and privilege for me to share the word this morning. Um, and basically, it's something just to usher us in into the uh, prayer and fasting period, as Pastor has, has announced. And so today, um, I'll also encourage you to think in terms of planning, in terms of planning, what, what plan does God have for us? So that when we are going for prayer and fasting, we also have content. We're not just going in there saying, hey, thank you, Lord, bless you, uh, hunger strike, and then at the end of it, we're not sure what was that all about. So it's good that we move into this thing with understanding. By the way, my name is Sam, Sam Manjao. Um, I help around in this church. And uh, why are you guys laughing? Sometimes I'm asked to, to speak, and it's with joy and pleasure that I do so. I'm married to one wife, my beautiful girlfriend here. <laughs> Yeah, her name is Damaris, and we have two little ones, uh, Magere and Manjao. So that is us, for those who do not know uh, the Moai family. Good, so we'll get down to it. So the, I like giving headings. Mine today is write it down, make it plain. You know, in life, many of us aim at nothing, and we hit it every time. We have nothing to aim at, and we hit it every time. And this is because we may, ha we may lack clear purpose. We may lack a sense of direction. We may lack vision. Or perhaps we also lack the steps that one needs to undertake to obtain that vision and that plan for their life. And what happens is that we end up having circumstances dictating what we do in life. 
it dictates the direction we go to, it dictates even our vocation. I like giving the example of when I wrote my KCSE exam, and, and I did all right, because uh, the examiners determined that I should go to Moy University and read public administration. So today I would be a DC, wearing those funny hats, with, with that magic wand under my armpit, with a Land Rover parked outside there. So if government had its way, or the examiners, uh, that's where I would have ended up. And that's how life is, because we're just pushed in this way, we go that way, we're pushed this way, we, we conform basically, in that sense. And that may not be God's best for you. It may not be God's plan for us. So as we plan out the year ahead of us, we must ask this question as we go into prayer and fasting. Father, what is your plan for me for 2023 and beyond? What is your plan for me in terms of my family or the table which I go to? Table is connect or it's our small groups, our Bible study. Let me just explain it in that sense. Father, what's your plan for me in the crew which I serve in? Father, what's your plan for me in the church community where I congregate together? And then we may basically focus on you personally. What are his plans concerning your relationship with him? What are his plans for your purpose, the purpose that is given you? What are the plans for him to give you a spouse? Or at least prepare for one. All right? What are his plans for your business or career? What is his plan for you concerning the wholeness, the well-being, or healing in your body? So these are the items that we need to start thinking about as we get into this session of prayer and fasting. And God is amazing because he has shown us how to go about it. How to go about discovering his plan and purposes for us. Remember we covered the series on the book of Romans. And there's a particular chapter, chapter 12, that I had the opportunity to speak uh, about. And these first two verses of Romans chapter 12 give us the steps that we need to take to discover God's plan for us. And verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So verse 1 where we're being told to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, is basically asking us to totally submit ourselves to God. It is a total surrender. Total surrender of what? Of your will, of your plans unto him. And God is asking us to lay these plans and wills and ambitions on the altar so that he can substitute them with his plans. All right? And you know, when you're a sacrifice and you've been laid on the altar, you're not in a position to dictate how the ceremony is conducted. You can be, for example, a sheep, you're laid on the altar and you're telling the guy slaughtering you, you cut this part first, 
No, you're dead. <laughs> There's nothing you can say. And when God is asking us to surrender ourselves to him, to lay ourselves as a living sacrifice on that altar, he's saying, you lay your ambitions, your plans on the altar. Let me direct you, move you, and show you what you need to do. And we remember, we say that indeed it's great for us to take that first step where we submit ourselves, submit our plans, our ambitions, we totally surrender to him. But equally important is verse 2, or the second step, which says that we should not be conformed to this world, but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why it is important to renew our minds is because from since you were born, your mind is being conditioned to the patterns of this world. All right? Our minds are conditioned to what goes on, the philosophies that we find at play. So we are conditioned in that manner. But God is saying, look, reject the mold of this world. Reject the patterns of this world because your mind's already conditioned to it. He needs a clean slate for him to give you his plans. Basically, in IT terms, it's like saying you need to uninstall software so that you can download his. So, renewing our minds, and we do so through the word. When you interact with the word, when you spend time with the word, when you're in prayer and fellowship with him, that's when we begin to uninstall that software and begin to receive his. So, when we do that, he naturally starts to give us a plan for all these areas that we've spoken about. He starts talking to you about your physical body. He may say to you, eat, eat less. Perhaps have only two meals in a day. You start hearing, go to the gym. <laughs> that's, that's all from him. Yeah? But you, you, when you seek his plans, he'll start speaking to you. Say, go, Father, what's your plan for my career? He may say, okay, stay where you are. Keep focused. Be a loyal and good employee. Be on time. Be there before everybody else, and you will see what will happen. So you're just obeying simple instructions. Nothing complicated, but just listening to him. Any area of your life, you may say, oh, I'm looking for a husband or a wife. He may start telling you, why don't you start attending uh, marriage seminars so that you know what it means to be a good husband or a good wife. So we listen out for his plan regarding all these areas in our life. And this is how he does it, by the way. In Psalms 34, 37, sorry, Psalms 37 verse 4, he says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, the word here, delight, uh, it basically is saying, look, hang out with him, spend time with the Lord. Know who he is in a greater way. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 2 says, Grace and peace will be multiplied to you and to, and to you through the knowledge of God and of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace, unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor, and nothing missing and nothing broken are multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of his Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowledge is not intellectual grasping of who he is. It is intimate hanging out with him. You're intimately involved with him. It's speaking to him. 
and saying, you are my lover, the lover of my soul. You worship him, going into his word and discovering who he is, the promises he has for you. That's when now these things are multiplied to him, to you, as you delight yourself in him. So that plan begins to become apparent when you delight yourself in the Lord. Now, this scripture is not talking about your wild desires. All right? It's not saying, oh, if you're good and you delight yourself in the Lord, he will grant every wild desire you have. No, it's not talking about that. It's saying, as I've just explained, that as we renew our minds, he gives us his plan. What, when we delight ourselves in him, in fellowship and in prayer with him, his plan begins to form on the inside of us. And why it is important, as we said even in verse 2 of chapter 12 of uh, Romans, is because when we renew our mind, we understand the word and the position of God, his way of thinking, his philosophy. And his way of thinking will not contradict basically the plan that he gives you. For example, he will not give you a desire where perhaps you've been seeing Frank here strumming the guitar and him saying, yeah, yeah. And you say, hey, God, I'm believing God for Frank as my husband. I think he's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's my delight for him to be my husband. No. That, that's in contradiction to God's word. You've been contradiction. So there's no way you can tell God, bless that plan. No. And if God doesn't get to you, Lillian will take care of you. Lillian will sort you out. All right. So basically, once we've done verse 1 of Romans chapter 12, which is surrendering ourselves to him, and we do verse 2, which is saying we basically remove that software of the world and receive from him, he begins to give us, he begins to give us a plan for our lives. And I've written down a couple of steps that we need to take. And the first one is write it down. Write it down. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 to 3 says, And the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. When the plans and desires that God is placing in your heart become apparent, begin to record them. Begin to write them down. When you're hanging out with him during fasting and prayer, and as I said, when you're going through each and every aspect of your life, what is the one thing God is saying for you to do? Just write it down. Have a record. Because you will do a review at the end of the year. And you know what? Some of the plans, I must say, that God will give you, may not unravel immediately. They'll take time. All right? And that's why this scripture is saying that the vision may tarry. It may not be for now, but it's for a particular appointed time. But do not get impatient. That time will surely come. It says it will not tarry longer than it should. It will come at the prescribed time. And that time is not too far. If you do not give up. You know, when you read the story of Moses, Moses ended up in the wilderness 
Not because that was God's plan. No. Moses acted out too early. If you follow scripture and you read what theologians have said, Moses acted out probably 10 years before he should have. Because there was prophecy that the children of Israel would sojourn in Egypt for 400 years. So at the 390th year, that's when Moses went and decided to kill this Egyptian who was troubling some uh, two Israelites there. And immediately he did that, he basically messed up. Because he assumed, oh, these guys would understand I'm the guy who's been sent to save them. But these guys didn't recognize that. What did Moses do? He had to run away to the wilderness. So that running away costed Moses 40 years in the wilderness. And unfortunately for the children of Israel, perhaps another 30 years, extra years under slavery. So sometimes when you run ahead of God, when he has given you a vision, when he's given you a plan, when he's told you what your purpose is, work with him. Do something about it, but work with him. Don't run ahead of him. David was anointed to be king, but he was an, when he was anointed to be king by Samuel, it took another 13 years before he sat on the throne. All right? Apostle Paul in the New Testament, immediately he was um, anointed by Nathan the prophet. The guy was out for 14 years preparing. You know, we read the Bible, we think it happened the next day where he started writing the Bible. No, 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 no. It took 14 years. So there's always a period of preparation. There's always a period where we need to be prepared. So even this vision that is being given to you may not be for the immediate and the now. It may take time for it to unravel. The second step is what I'm calling one thing I do. One thing I do is all about focus. And we find that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 to 14, which says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do. One thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press forward toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Focus is essential in you accomplishing God's, God's plan for you in 2023. Choose one thing that you need to focus on in your given areas as we've gone through them. What is the one thing you're choosing regarding your career that you will do? What's the one thing you're choosing about your family? What's the one thing you're choosing about your physical body? What's the one thing you're choosing about you serving in church? Focus on one thing. That singular focus and vision in those particular areas is what will bring this plan to fruition. That's when you can look back and say, I focused on this thing. When you give someone two visions, that's the quickest way to kill the original vision. When you have two visions, you have division, you have division. So you need vision, focus, one thing. This one thing I do. Find that one thing, record it as we said, then pray about it and begin to take steps to fulfill it. Step number three, one step at a time. First Kings chapter 17 verse 1. Here we come across the story of Elijah. And it says, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives 
before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Now, the context in which uh, Elijah, Elijah was operating was Ahab, who was the king of Israel then, and his evil wife Jezebel had killed all the prophets of God, at least the ones they knew. There are some that managed to hide. So any prophet of God that was about was immediately killed. And they're trying to establish other prophets who are false prophets, who are praying to, to idols. So here Elijah appears into, uh, onto the scene and is very brave because he knows he could be killed. Ahab could say, capture this guy and let's kill him as well. So he appears and he says, look, there'll be no rain or dew in this land. There'll be drought until I say so. So for us to appreciate that context is that it took Elijah guts to go before Ahab and make that particular pronouncement. And what happened is that as this drought continued to bite, Ahab was busy looking for Elijah. He looked for him in every nation and every kingdom. Of course, he was told by his wife, who is that guy? We need to kill him so that this drought comes to an end. And you know what happens? Is that Elijah became the most dominant person in the entire nation of Israel because he received direction from God and acted on it. When you receive direction from God and you act on it, you began a journey of dominance in that particular area of your life. Let's continue verse 2. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. That's a key statement. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and stayed by the brook Cherith, which flows into the Jordan. We've noted from verse 1 that Elijah was not in his prayer closet declaring drought over Israel. All right? He went and declared drought over Israel in the face of Ahab because those were God's instructions to him, even though he knew that he might be killed. But what's amazing is that God had promised Elijah protection as he did that. But he had not talked about any sort of provision or where Elijah would end up. It's after he did that, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah about his provision and where he had to go. Similarly, most people don't fulfill God's will for their life, God's purposes, because we begin rationalizing, trying to play out every aspect of the plan he's given you, and never taking the first step towards fulfilling his will for you. So God's provision did not appear or was not made known to Elijah until he had acted on the first thing that God had told him to do. In other words, God will not show you step 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10 until you've done step 1, until you've fulfilled the first instruction he's given you. Then he will reveal the second to you. Verse 4 says that God commanded ravens to feed him there. 
not where he was. God didn't say, Elijah, just hang around. Ravens will, will uh, locate you and bring you meat. No. He was told, you go there. I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Let me use this example. You know, in American football, there is a guy called a quarterback. Probably Terence will uh, identify with that. And there's also a receiver. So the quarterback positions himself and he throws the ball. He doesn't throw the ball where the receiver is at the first instance. He throws the ball where the receiver will be. All right? That's why you see the receiver dashing across the field to go and receive the ball. Similarly, God has been making provision for us where he's told us to go. All right? He's thrown and given his provision. He sent the ravens, but some of us are still in our prayer closets. Some of us are still at home. God has told you to start a business. You're still rationalizing what, how you should start the business, what you should do, and he's told you, you act on that. When you act on that, he will show you which client to go to or who to speak to. So we need to, to carry out the first instruction for us to receive the second one, which involves our provision. So some of us, uh, this is what I wrote, some of us don't see our provision because we are too much here and not enough there. We're too much here and not enough there. Where has he told you to go? Number four, faith in action. Begin to take steps one at a time towards what God has spoken to you. Begin to implement the plan. As I said, you cannot stay in your prayer closet and you've already received your matching orders. It doesn't make sense. Because every act of faith has to have action. It has to be accompanying action. And James tells us in uh, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, What does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works, can faith save him? Even so, faith, if it hath no works, is dead being alone. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Verse 19. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even demons believe and tremble. So having faith is not enough, is what the scripture is saying. All right? But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Anything you truly believe causes action. If you believe in something, it will cause you to act in that particular direction. How do you know you believe? Because you get an inner conviction in your heart. That's where faith comes from. That's where faith resides. When you are fully convinced, it will move you towards action. Romans 10.10 tells us as much. For with the heart one believes, with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So faith is a heartfelt conviction. Felt so strongly that it influences your actions. So, those who say they believe, yet they act contrary. Again, I'm talking about it's great to pray, but you can't remain in your prayer closet. You need to move out. So, if you're there, you've prayed, you believe, you say you have faith, but you're acting contrary, you're actually deceived. deceived. That's not Bible faith. Bible faith is you have 
to act on it. So it's not just a mental assent or acknowledging facts that God has done this for you. No, it calls or it gives rise for positive action. So it is not Bible faith if there's no corresponding action. The fifth step, patience. We live in a generation, which I sum up in this manner, I know what I want and I want it now. I want you. <laughs> it is. Some of you recognize that. Some were not born when that song was coming out. Uh, Frank is very holy. He doesn't know that song. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's good. I know what I want and I want it now. And I want you. <laughs> and so forth. But that's, that's the generation we're in. Where we are very much in short term thinking. We need an immediate fix to every situation we encounter. We want to satisfy our cravings immediately. And that also happens even in the spiritual realm. Very few people have patience. You know, patience is not a human trait. It's not a... Humans, are, our tendency is to say, no, 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 I've had enough. I'm quitting. I failed. I give up. I can't wait any longer. It's not human nature to wait for anything. But on the other hand, we examine our God, our Father. He does not grow weary. He doesn't faint. He never gives up on us. So patience is a God quality, not a human one. This is where we need to uninstall that software of impatience and adopt God's patience. So only through God can we obtain patience and endurance. And Isaiah tells us as much in chapter 40. In verse 29 where he says, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, waiting in this context doesn't mean hanging around waiting for a bus or a train. No, it doesn't mean, hey, thank you, Lord, for the plan. Now I'm waiting for you to make it happen. No. It is similar to a waiter in a good restaurant. He's watching to see if you need anything. Likewise, we should be in the house of the Lord, looking out for what we need to be doing, watching, looking. How would you like me to serve? In which area? In my crew? How do I offer myself? That's what waiting means. It means praising, worshipping him, having fellowship with him. That's what waiting on him means. It does not mean to sit back and just wait for him to do something about it. So, but for us to fulfill God's purpose, we need him to work his patience on the inside of us. That's part of waiting on him. And you may wonder, do I have patience? Yes, you do. If you're born again, you have the spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ residing in you. We sang here that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that raised him from the grave, is on the inside of us. So if you've accepted him, then that particular fruit of the spirit is in you. You know Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the spirit is love, peace, joy, patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. So you already have patience in you. You just need to 
draw it out. All right? We're talking about the scripture that says that um, we need to acknowledge every good thing. Your faith becomes effectual. The communication of your faith becomes effectual when you acknowledge every good thing that's on the inside of you. When you begin to acknowledge, I have patience, then it will come into play. Romans chapter 5 verse 3 says, and not, and, not or not, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Now here you have to be careful because some Bible versions, that's King James, New King James says that tribulation produces patience. That's not true. The correct version is King James. That's why sometimes you may wonder, why is this guy reading a Bible with Elizabethan language? It's because it's deemed to be more accurate than, than other versions. So, it, tribulation worketh patience. So, tribulation does not create patience, as I've said. It works patience. You see, trouble or tribulation cannot teach you patience. Otherwise, we may argue and say the people with the most trouble should be the most patient. The opposite is true. Have you ever seen a pro box driver? (laughs) (laughs) Pressure and trouble only give you an opportunity to grow and exercise your faith and patience. Embracing your problems will not help you. When you have a problem, you resist the devil. All right? I believe you know the book of John 10.10. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So, when you're having trouble, it's not from heaven. It's from the thief who's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. And we are told when we see the thief, we should resist him. That's how patience is being worked because we are resisting him. We are basically employing patience in this trouble to resist him. And patience is being worked in us. So we don't accept anything from the enemy and say, ah, God has sent me this problem because he wants to teach me a lesson in patience. No. That's from the enemy. You deal with it. Deal with it. Step number six. As I start to conclude. And don't be lazy. Don't be slothful. I know that's not a very exciting subject to talk about. You don't get a lot of amens. But it's scripture. And it says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11 to 12. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence. That's a key word. To the full assurance of hope unto the end. That ye be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So we're being told, look, we need to keep at it. We need to stay the course. We cannot afford to be impatient. We need this God, fruit and trait in us coming out. We need to work our patience. But we cannot be lazy about it. We can't start with steam in January, February and March. By June, we're wondering, what are we doing? No, as I've said, it took years for these guys to basically flow in their ministries. So we have to keep at it. And it becomes enjoyable once you decide, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord. 
I'm going to enjoy hanging out with him. I'm going to enjoy reading the word. I'm going to enjoy serving in church and expressing God's love. I'm, I'm determining to enjoy this thing. When you make a decision on the inside of you, your emotions follow. If you're driven by your emotions, then you'll be in trouble. I don't feel like praising God today. No, you should say, Father, my body might not feel like it, but I declare that I love you this day. I worship you, I adore you, I love you. You carry on that. Like five minutes, you'll be in it. You'll be so happy you're doing it. You have to make a decision inside of you, not determined by the way you feel at that particular moment. Finally, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 to 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are, in, are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, there are people in heaven who are cheering us on. They understand. They're looking at us saying, come on, you go at it. You can do this. You can succeed. Those are the witnesses that we're talking about that scripture is saying here. We are encompassed about by a great cloud of witnesses. Wherefore, seeing that we are also encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So he's saying, look, come on, start dealing with these small things that have been bedeviling you. Stop your small lies and sleeping around and all these things. You have great work ahead of you. Focus. Stay focused on what you need to do. Deal with these other issues that are basically holding you back and dragging you down. Verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That faith you have in you, like we've read in um, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, is not of your faith. It's not yours. You're not the one who came up with it. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's on the inside of you. So Jesus is saying, that fruit which I've put in you, use that one. The same faith that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you. You use that one. He's the author and finisher of your faith, of the faith that you have in you. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we finish the race, like Jesus did, it will be such a great delight. That's when we hear those wonderful words, well done, good and faithful servant. Why? Because you pursued God, you discovered his plan for you, you discovered everything that he has for you, and you ran that race. You stayed focused, you stayed at it until it came to fruition. Now at times we may fall, and, and yes, we're still on earth, we're in a fallen world, but pick yourself up and stay focused on the prize. Stay at it. So even as we go into prayer and fasting this week, ask God, what's your plan for me in these areas? What do you have for me? Write it down. Write it down. Make it plain. Pray about it. Continue to pray about it and ask, what should I do? And when God reveals to you, when you delight yourself in him, he'll give you a plan. You'll feel it from your heart. It'll just come from you. Be like, yeah, wow, I'm being led to do this. And sometimes the delight he may give you will be right opposite of what you've always delighted in or wanted. But it will become yours. You'll own it. You'll feel, yes, it's right for me to do this. And you begin to move in that direction. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that you've spoken and revealed to us the things that we need to do in this season of planning as we plan the year ahead. Thank you, Father, for equipping us with the steps that we need to take. 
We thank you for the word which has gone forth. We declare that, Father, that word is sowed in our hearts and that it will grow and remain and bear fruit, Father, and all to the glory and honor of your name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen and amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Sam, for that word. It's very practical, right? Is the word practical? Yeah, it's I, what, one of the things I like about that word is um, it doesn't matter where you are. If you're at the starting point where you don't even have a vision for your life, you can start there. You can ask God. Vision comes from God. So you can ask God, God, what's, what's your vision for my life? What is it? What, what